This week on Heads and Tails, we horse around with Meg Kepperly. This is Kevin Som, you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. Prestige worldwide. Why? I always <laughs> want to do that, so I think it was a good time. All right, so I don't know what episode this is going to be, so it's... Uh, Episode whatever. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for tuning in to the Heads and Tails podcast today. We're interviewing uh, Meg Kepferly. She's a professional equestrian who has suffered a concussion and multiple broken bones throughout her career. And she's also going to shed light on some injuries that her friends have encountered over the years that are pretty serious, too. Um, so let's just start off by talking about how long you've been riding horses for and how you got into it and uh, awesome. stuff like that. Um, I've been riding horses since I was nine. Um, it would have been much earlier than that, but it took a long time to convince my parents to start uh, to let me start riding. So you just saw people riding horses and thought that that was something <laughs> you wanted to do? I grew up in like a very middle class kind of area. That, you know, I don't come from a horsey family, but my best friend's mom had a horse, and I thought it was pretty awesome. And there's a lot of Amish people. Um, <laughs> so where did you grow up? Um, Southern Maryland, uh, in this little town at the end of the state. Um, so, yeah, I started riding when I was a little kid, and in fifth grade, they asked you um, to write your, you know, lifetime goals and what you wanted to be when you grow up, and everyone, you know, wanted to be, you know, actors or whatever. And I wrote that I wanted to go to the 2012 Olympics. I was a very serious goal-oriented kid um, for horseback <laughs> riding, which is kind of funny because I was at the 2012 Olympics with my boss, but we were first alternates and we were crying on the ramp outside of the venue. <laughs> because you wanted to be out there? Because we were supposed to be on the team and they left us off. Uh, so, But ironically, I did go to the 2012 Olympics. Hey, you write it down, it happens, <laughs> Exactly, right? right? It's true. Um, so what do you love most about riding horses? Um, that's a good question. I think um, it's kind of funny because for a lot of people, horses are a hobby. Um, so I kind of turned my hobby into my career. Um, so, you know, with that, you know, a lot of people struggle um, getting burnt out um, when they turn something that they used to do for fun. Right, as, now it's work, right? Now you have to do it to make money. But I think uh, it always comes back to the, the relationship with the animal. It's a pretty unique relationship. Can you describe that relationship? Um, it's kind of indescribable. It's, you know, every horse has got a different personality, just like a you know person. There's some horses that are bitches, and there's some <laughs> horses that are awesome. And, 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 you know, some people click with certain horses and don't click with other horses and in, just like in a interpersonal relationship however horses obviously can't talk so you have to um, figure out how to communicate with them and when that pays off um, whether they that's you know from training or competing or any type of any anything you know if a horse comes up to you in the field you know you feel pretty cool so it's just a pretty unique relationship how would you compare it to a relationship with a dog uh, that's that's difficult uh, the dog I think is more outwardly emotional, um, and I think the bond is probably a little bit more real. Uh, I I think us crazy horse ladies, we like to think that our horses are attached to us, but um, I think part of it is just us making it up in our head um, because we love them so much. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit more of a of a working relationship, but I think because of their size um, and the fact that they actually listen to humans which they don't have to they could you know they right, choose not to yeah. exactly um i think that's kind of the 
the the difference. The the dog kind of knows when you're gone, and the horse could care less if you're gone, kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> so, so they're more like a cat almost. <laughs> yes, more like a cat, except for less uh, weird. I don't know. I don't really do cats. Cats are weird. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a huge cat person either. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So what was the first injury that you've kind of experienced uh, oh, while God. riding horses? My parents, um, they definitely did not want me to keep riding. I hurt myself all the time as a child. Um, my first injury as a, as, uh, from riding, I, uh, I fell off. My, actually, my horse fell on top of me. Uh, How'd <laughs> yeah. that feel? Uh, it felt awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I was riding in the winter time and it was like a weirdly warm day and I was uh, riding in a circle. I was cantering in like a small circle and the underside of the ring was ice and I didn't realize it because I was a kid and I'm dumb and the horse just slipped and he fell on top of me and I tore like everything in my ankle and foot and toes and it was awful. Damn. How old were you when this happened? uh, I was in middle school I think. Probably 13. No, I was in I was in high school. I was, in, I was fourteen okay. because I went to a very diverse high school, of public school um, that backed right up to what we called the ghetto, and so there was a lot of kids in my high school that were never exposed to horses. <laughs> so yeah, of I course, think not. Yeah. everyone was asking, you know, what happened to me. I was on crutches, and eventually, I got so tired of answering the question, I put uh because they'd be like what'd you do and i'm like i fell off my horse and they'd be like you got a horse <laughs> so i just put right. a sign on my crutches i fell off my horse yes i have a horse, horse. oh that's <laughs> funny so yeah i know now that you say that i feel like equestrian is like a very yuppie sport so yeah. I, and because of that it's almost kind of like this ex- exclusive kind of club yeah so how do people get into equestrian yeah. if they're not if they don't have like a lot of money or yeah. stuff like that, it's a struggle. Um, I did not come from a lot of money, and I definitely don't have. I mean, if if you could see me right now, I've got. Um, I'm gonna zip up my jacket. I've got <laughs> dirty clothes, <laughs> and I'm missing the heel of my riding boot actually, which is really embarrassing. I just realized today. But it's an expensive sport. Um, I grew up. I had three siblings, and they all played normal sports that you know required a ball or right. some cleats or something. And um, so it was hard. It was a struggle. So. You work. You work a lot um, to try to. I worked off all of my lessons, and I, you know, I was like thirteen. So, so you were in high school, and you like it wasn't like your parents are paying for this stuff. Like you were mm, working. Yeah, they helped. They definitely helped me. I mean, I can't say they didn't help me, but right. But, you put the work in, so it wasn't oh, yeah. like they were just yeah, no, giving no, it cool. and and I think that you know a lot of it is a privileged sport, and it you know it kind of is up there with like the golf and the sailing, where it's kind of a culture that yeah. you know wealthy families do support a lot of the sport but. Yeah, even like lacrosse or hockey like you need to buy all that gear mm-hmm. and it's it, like from a socioeconomic standpoint i'm always like fascinated by that like even like affirmative action stuff yeah like it's like people complain about it but at the same time like it's a never-ending cycle if no. you don't have stuff like that yeah so are there any programs that like in a question that you know of that kind of help kids who like get into the sport <sighs> that, um, um not it's what I actually am trying to do with my business is is kind of 
is reach out to those kids that want to. I mean, horses can be whatever you want them to be. So, you know, some people ride just for fun and they have no aspirations of competitive careers. I'm very competitive and I want to be competitive, but it's taken me, I'm 30 years old, and it's taken me this long to kind of get on a track where I can see myself competing on an international level, um, even though I've been trying to do it my whole life, because of money, mostly. Um, and, you know, so what I'm trying to do is reach those kids that don't have the outlets and, and give them a place to kind of farm league, you know, them to, to have access to professionals, because it is hard, and if you don't know where to go, um, you know, it, it seems kind of unreachable. And I was that kid. I, I had no idea what I was doing, and I knew I wanted to be at the top of the sport, but I didn't have an outlet. Like, I just kind of was podunking in my backyard, kind of YOLO. You know, I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. And it, it took me till I was probably 25, and I was really lucky to kind of fall into where I, where I am now. Um, so programs, no, there's not really organized programs um, for kids just because I think our sport is, is pretty um, behind the times as f comparatively to other sports. And I think it's because it's not a very conventional sport and it does take, you know, even like, you know, you can play, you can play most sports on a field or, or in, a, in an arena. Whereas, right, here you need a farm, so it's not like you can like take a horse into the city right. and help these kids out. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's yeah. tough. But there are a lot of really cool outreach programs for kids that, to introduce them to, to agricultural life that way, which is really cool. Um, but from a, like a sports perspective, no, it's very lacking in, in our in our sport, it's kind of sad that way. But right. I think yeah. it's, it's growing, but I would say it's probably 10 or 15 years behind, even like technologically. I mean, you should see horse people trying to use computers. Oh yeah, even yeah. like with, what about like uh, equipment, like protective equipment? That is something that my sport um, uh, takes very seriously. So um, what I, I would like to explain is that you have equestrian sports, which is a giant umbrella, and underneath that there are several disciplines um, where you know most people know racing, everyone knows horse racing, um, which is a pretty lucrative sport, and that's why everyone knows it. And then there's show jumping, which a lot of people know, which is also a very lucrative sport. Um, but then you have other less known to the wider public, which is dressage, um, which you know, and then the western sports that aren't very common on the east coast, but like barrel racing and and all of those kind of things. And then what I do is called three day eventing. Um, which is a small facet of equestrian sports, um, and it's we compare it to triathlon. So our horses do three different things, and they have to be very fit. And the three uh, the three phases are dressage, and which is no jumping, and then show jumping, which is in an arena, which is spectator friendly, and then you have. Um, cross country, which is us galloping out in a large, you know field and we're going pretty fast at big solid obstacles and that's where the the danger lies in our sport and so there's um, a lot of uh, regulations as far as what we have to wear um, before we even leave the start box um, because we have a, an, a, a high risk of injury in our sport. If we, if our horse hits the jump, the jump does not fall down. We fall down. The horses flip over. You know, it's it's not something that you want to go out there without protective we wear you know full body vests and and now it's even more common to wear air vests on top of that which you see kind of motors they started motorcycles so like that air vests meaning there's already air in them or like when you hit, get an impact it like deploys it and deploys you kinda... it's crazy so you attach it to this like string in front of the saddle and um it it takes a requires a certain amount of pressure so if you fall if you're ejected from the horse for example right. it 
it pulls the string and then it inflates the it's vest. It's like the string on a treadmill almost that it's, you could exactly. hook up to. Exactly, yeah. except for it's like a little airbag. And, and it's actually really funny. When they first came out a couple years ago and people weren't used to unhooking themselves before they got off horses, oh, they would like just be jumping off deploy. and And then you can't breathe because it kind of puts a lot of pressure on your ribcage. But it's not like a one-time thing, like an airbag where like... It, 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 it is it a could... one-time. You have to re... It's like a $40 canister that you have to reconnect and uh, oh, damn. every time this you fall This more and more expensive as we, <laughs> we talk about. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, the other day, actually, I felt kind of bad. One of my students came up to me, and she wanted me to change her air canister. Um, and I have no idea how to do it. I always make my boss do it. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I was, like, in a hurry, and I just twisted it on. And it, <laughs> I was like, I owe you $40. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we have a lot of protective gear for our, ourselves um, and the horses. Um, so what, what for the horses? What are they? What the horses. Gear do they have? That's where our sport gets really annoying. Is that you know obviously people get hurt all the time, but the horses are so delicate. Um, they don't look delicate. <laughs> they don't feel delicate either, um, but they are. They have little spindly legs that have lots of little bones and ligaments in them, and they're getting hurt more than we're getting hurt. And I think that that's what makes our sport really difficult is trying to keep them sound enough to compete um, because we take that really seriously. So I'm kind of interested in this whole thing. So it sounds like it sounds like you guys kind of train the horses almost like a person trains. And Meg and I actually met at the gym. Yeah. Um, we go to StrengthWorks CrossFit, and it's interesting. So like, how do you work out? Like, is there like an overtraining thing for horses oh, too, yeah. where they, they start getting injured? Oh yeah. There's um, it, you can't compete at our levels um without a very strict fitness program for the horses because who makes the program um it's kind of it's it varies based on geographic location what's available to you um where you're competing and um and what level you're competing so it's it's very tailored to to your own program so for example my program we have 15 horses um my boss Sinead who rides for the United States um is the head poncho and then I'm underneath her and then we have you know 15 horses in our program full time and each of them are at different levels so like her top horse Tate is hopefully hopefully going to the Olympics this year he's like a very famous horse as far as horses are concerned and he's got a very strict program um, every day depending on what he's doing and then you have like a five-year-old baby that he could care less you know he could be ridden three or four days a week and he'd be fine but like a horse competing at a professional level is you know, you're spending 20 minutes walking, and then you have, like, um, in my farm in Long Valley, we put in a gallop in the back of our hill, um, which is we control the footing on it so that you have consistent footing that the horse is running on, and, okay. and it's, like, straight up hill, and we do that a certain number of times twice a week to keep them um, fit cardiovascularly and also to keep their um, tendons and ligaments and all of that in working order so that when we go to compete which is, you know, like if you figure like a marathon runner, for example, you kind of um, tailor up your runs and then you, you know, you do your big run two weeks before your, you know, your competition right. and then you kind Similar, of scale yeah. down. We do the exact same thing for the horses. That's cool. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so you want to get into some of the injuries that you, in, in addition to getting the horse, <laughs> or the horse landing on you, well, uh, well. what other injuries have you, have you gone through? Uh, we kind of live injured. Um, Sinead and I actually have made up an injury. We call it the liver rib um, because something is always is always hurting. And, and, you know, like one day I was out riding and, uh, and uh, she couldn't, she just stopped on her horse and she just started saying my name like really calmly, like really awkwardly standing really or sitting really abrupt on the horse. And, and she's like a very skinny kind of, 
she looks like a runner. Like she's really skinny and tall, and she's sitting there, and she's like Megan, 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 and I look, <laughs> and she's like I can't move, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, like what's wrong with you? She's like, it's my liver rib again. Like she has no idea, no idea. We've been hurt so many times, you don't even oh, know wow. what's going on. So, most recently, um, I fell off my friend Lacey's horse. Um, yes, Lacey, I blame you. Um, <laughs> this horse. <laughs> And, uh, oh, this horse has a reputation. Yeah, he's Charlie. Charlie. I call him Charlie. He, uh, oh, it's Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Charlie's about to get a bullet. Um, no, he uh, he sent me lawn darting, I like to say. So kind of out of nowhere, um, face planted. Like, he just took off bucking, and I had no, no hope. And I literally lawn darted, like, at a 45-degree angle into the ground face first. Um, and I broke my helmet. And uh, which is not supposed to happen. Um, that yeah. is not supposed to happen. And I, I definitely probably lucky you didn't break your neck. I'm really lucky I didn't break my neck. Actually, I thought I was dead. Um, it was like one of those moments where you like, what? I still feel everything. Okay. And you like feel your arms and your legs, and you're like weird. Um, yeah, that hurt. And uh, that was probably two months ago now, sometime this summer. And. Uh, I haven't had a concussion since I was young, like probably 10 years, um, and uh, I wasn't sure if I had a concussion at first because I hadn't had one in so long, and I was like Googling the uh, symptoms. symptoms, and I'm like, mm. and but I started getting vertigo really bad, um, which I thought maybe I just drank too much coffee. Oh, uh, always talking yourself out of it. <laughs> yeah, no. Sound like I, an original Kesam over there. <laughs> it's so true, though. Like, yeah. you're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then uh, when I went to go to bed and I, like, I went to lay down, I, like, fe- like I fell. This like, was the night that you oh, got yeah. hurt? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course I didn't go to the doctor because horse people are awful and we never go to the doctor. And I could, I honestly don't even know where I would go to the doctor. I still haven't gone to the doctor um, as I'm sitting in, here. like, a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. We're at Atlantic Sport Health. All right. I yep. should go here. More sound New Jersey. <laughs> Shout out. Um, yeah, so I, I still am dizzy from that. You still are? Um, oh, yeah. Um, like, when? Just when I'm, um, when I lay down, when I, when I, whenever I move my head, <laughs> it's not funny. Um, it's, it's when I change, I think, uh, like levels. Levels. Right. Yeah. Like your blood pressure kind of yeah. changes. Yeah. So, what does that mean, doctor? I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea, but the fact that you still have symptoms months out is probably not a good thing. You should probably go get that checked out. Well, yeah, seeing as how yesterday I, um, Gone to a little fender bender. I can't really get into the details of this time, right. but I definitely hit my head on the windshield. See, that's not good though because, the, I mean, with my injury, yeah. I had a concussion. I had the headache. I talked myself out of it, saying yeah. like it's probably a science infection or something like that. Because that, yeah. to me, in my 17-year-old head, I'm like, you know, like nothing's gonna happen to right. me. I'm fine. Right. So then I went out and played before that concussion was healed. And it wasn't just like a headache. It was like the most excruciating headache I've ever had in my entire right, life. Right. Then I took four Advil, went to the, the the game the next week, and then I almost died because I had yeah. a brain bleed. It was you know my brain was swollen. I collapsed. I had a seizure. Yeah. So not that that's going to happen to you. No, but it's. it's but this for, is the first time I've actually been concerned, like legitimately concerned about my head because I've, n- I've fallen off a hundred mil- million times and usually like I break things I hurt right. my you know I'm wearing a, a, a wrist brace right now um, 
but those are all, you know, outward. I mean, it's very obvious what those injuries are. And so it's, I think it's a little bit scarier when, it, when you're dealing with your head because it is yeah. easier to ignore. Yeah, you can't see it. Yeah. No. Um, and so the fact that, I mean, I, I swear, like, I still am dizzy. And I honestly also, I'm just going to blame it on my head injury, is that I feel so much weaker when I'm working <laughs> out. You feel weaker. I, yeah. I mean, it could have something to do with it. Or I'm just you know, it's being like lazy your, your nervous system. Yeah. But. Yeah, that's definitely something you need to get yeah. checked out. Especially if, so you so you continued riding after you got lawn, lawn darted into the ground. Well, or? I th- that day I actually sedated that horse because that's how dangerous he was, and I got back on him because I was stubborn. And I'm like, you asshole, I'm going to ride you. And then I realized I was really dumb, so then I didn't ride the rest of the day. Wow. Um, and I actually I haven't for the first time probably in my career. I'm scared of a horse, and I think that particular horse. That or particular like all horse. Horses? No, no, not all horses. Um, just this one, and I actually have to ride him today after I leave here, and I haven't been back on him since that day. Um, and he's fine, and I know he's fine, but like. Yeah, you remember. It's just one of those things that's you know horses are so unpredictable and. Make sure you have the parachute vest. Oh my god, and that's the the worst part is that. <laughs> um, oh my god. Oh, I'm just imagining what that would be like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, I don't know. That horse, that horse got me. Um, and and you know, I don't know. But I've been, you know, as 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 awful as that was, I've been really lucky. Um, you know, my boss has has suffered several more broken bones than I have. Um, you know, a couple years ago, she was riding. We were at a horse show, and she was. Riding um, one of her young horses, and she got caught up in a jump and flipped, and um, the horse landed on top of her. And in show jumping, we don't wear the protective vest um, because it looks bad. Or? Well, it does look bad, but no, because uh, it's just less likely of of that to happen in show jumping because the jumps fall down, like you hit them and they're in cups. Oh, got it. And so it, the poles right. fall, so they usually they just keep going. Right. Some I don't know what. what it's not like flipping over the handlebars in uh, <laughs> on a bike or something. Yeah. It's kind of like that, except for like fifteen hundred pounds come down on top, on top of you, of you instead of a, a twenty pound bike. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she, uh, yeah, she punctured along and and broke several uh, ribs or clavicle. She spent a couple days in the hospital and and several months um, rehabbing from that injury. And to this day, I mean. She's still, you know, she sits a little funny. She comes to this somewhere in this complex actually because every every so often she needs something, you Worked know, on, yeah, cuz yeah. she's so beat up. Beat up and um you know, I think out of as far as head injuries are concerned, my friend Ben, who's a steeplechase jockey, um he was riding a young horse and he actually had a helmet on and he um he fell off this young horse, you know, freaked out and he fell on the road he was on the road riding and uh he's really lucky that he survived but i mean this was probably five years ago and and uh he still has double vision like he lost his license to to race he can't race anymore because he can't see straight he still has double vision mm-hmm. he still he's been to every specialist in the you know that he can find and he's he's a lot better than he used to be but he's not riding safe he can't ride anymore wow. so yeah, when I had my head injury, I was—I didn't have double vision until I had surgery. When they went in oh to do surgery, God. yeah, I woke up and I saw two of everything. And I was, like, kind of freaked out by that. I'm like, am I going to be like this the rest of my life? Yeah. But luckily, when I went home, literally I was home for a day. I went to sleep one night, woke up, and it was oh gone. God, I was terrifying. like, oh, thank God, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Um, it's really funny, actually, trying to play 
he because you know he tries to like beat it. He like finds places where he can see normal, and he like wants to do normal things like play baseball and stuff like yeah, that. But he's you like do he it one eye open. Yeah, he even dri- I'm like, are you even allowed to be driving? Because he kind of drives like with his head cocked to the left, oh. and he's like, I'm like, I don't know, this is safe. But. Yeah. Is that the guy you ran into? Is <laughs> <laughs> he out on the road? Is that why? Was he driving the car? Yeah, it was his fault. It was Ben's fault. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I want to kind of dive into this fear aspect. You said that you're, for the first time, that you're afraid of a horse. And yeah. when you hear about all these injuries from, you know, equestrian and your own friends, you know, have these crazy injuries that, mm-hmm. you know, they're lucky to be alive. How do you deal with the fear and, you know, with the saying, like, get back on the horse mm-hmm. like I'm sure that's not an accident why that's yeah. like a, a well-known saying so yeah. can you kind of talk about how you get over like strategies to get over that fear because I know people who are listening to this might not be riding horses but they might be trying to get no like get over their own fear maybe they tore their ACL and they're afraid yeah. to cut on that knee again yeah so how do you get over that fear when you come back from an injury yeah that is um it's an ongoing it's an, definitely an ongoing thing when um in, in my sport, I think uh, horses can be scary in general, um, and I would say there's always some level of fear. I think fear is good um, uh, to a certain extent. That's interesting that you yeah. say that. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're dealing with my when you're dealing with horses, when you're dealing with animal animals, if you don't have any fear you're cocky and that's when you're really going to get yourself in trouble you and have you, to yeah, have a you little hear, like motorcycle riders like same thing like once yeah. you feel comfortable and not afraid on it like that's when you get hurt yeah right? exactly exactly because you make you make dumb dumb decisions um but fear can also cripple your your decision making and which also can get you into trouble i mean that can also get you hurt if you're riding and you are riding tentatively when you need to be riding more positively and and you make mistakes that you shouldn't be making um and they can be pretty costly. Um, so for me, um, I, I always had my limits. When I was younger, I was brave, way more brave than I am now. Um, you get older, you hit the ground enough times. And you see more things, too. <laughs> you're you know, like, like, is that really worth it? Yeah. Um, and you're just exposed. You're a little smarter. Um, but you have to have a... A cost. You have to have, you know, a line that that you won't cross. I think that's really important. Everyone has to be realistic with their personal boundaries and and what they are willing to sacrifice um, for what. And and I think that kind of defines how you how you. Um, how you succeed in whatever sport you're playing, you know? Oh, yeah. As you were saying that, I was thinking about like football, and like it's it's crazy to me that. Like this, how sacrifice and like sacrificing your body mm-hmm. is held to this like mm-hmm. high prestige, you know, in the sport, and it's like, yeah, where do you draw the line? Where you know, do you draw it's the like, line? For, and for me, like, I had a freaking brain bleed going into that game. Like, based on my CAT scans, they thought that I had a bleed the entire week, and it just like oh re- reopened when I played again. Uh. So I'm like. If that's not freaking self-sacrifice, like, I don't know what is, but, like, it's... So there's a similar culture in in equestrian, is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you you play... And just, like, in in football, I'm sure you play against... your teammates, the energy, your, you know, you ignore things you probably wouldn't ignore if you were by yourself, um, you know, depending on, you know, the game or how you... what your relationship is with your coach or personally where you're, where you're at. You know, I think... 
I think, you know, when you're young, you really want to prove yourself. You want to, you feel like you're worth a lot and, and it's your, how you define that worth. And I think in my sport, it's important for me to um, be competitive and, and push myself and, and push myself to boundaries that are uncomfortable because I think that's when you get better. Right, I agree. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it with um, a head on your shoulders. And, and if I if I hurt myself to the point where I can't walk, I can't work, I can't ride anymore. Like my whole life will right. change. So you know, and I know that's always a risk in my sport, but. There are ways to do risk management, you know. I think that's the important thing with my sport. And I think, f as far as fear is concerned, is is really defining what my boundaries are. And if if fear is in the way of me and my goal, for example, then I surround myself with people that are experiencing the same things or have experienced the same things. And and I think anyone in my sport has experienced it at some time. And and you and you find you literally do have to to train yourself. To, to change your reaction like when you are on a horse you know you're and, and you get scared about something your body defense just defensively like you want to get smaller you want to protect your body that actually has an opposite effect on a horse because a horse can feel that that tension and then they get tense because they don't know why you're you know and then they have they're a, they're a flight animal so when they feel nervous they go away from it so when you relax and you're open and your body body language says that you're confident even if you're bullshitting and you're scared shitless, yeah. which is like 50% of the time um, you can you can ride successfully so I have ways when I'm riding that when I get get nervous or I'm scared of something which happens a lot when you're competing is uh, is I do a checklist of, of what my body language is, is saying to my horse because, you know, I know if I can just rely on keeping a, a calm demeanor and, and a confident body language, even if I don't believe myself, Fake you know. Fake it you make exactly. it. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's how I've lived my whole life. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. All right, so... I want to get back to this concussion thing because it makes me a little mad that you're still continuing to do it. So you, you say that, you know, like why haven't you pulled back? Because you just said like if you don't take care of your like take care of your body and, yeah. and your stuff like that, like you're you're sacri or no, not sacrificing, risking your own profession, like your livelihood. Mm -hmm. So why is it that with your head you haven't treated it the same way? <sighs> I don't know. Actually, okay, so this is kind of something that I actually wanted to touch base on because I do feel like horse people are, are crazy, um, and I think that our culture is crazy. And I only realize this when I hang out with people outside of the horse world, which I try to do often because I think we're kind of in this little bubble of horse crazy people. Um, but I think it's so not even looked down upon. Um, we work all the time. We work seven days a week, around the clock. Um, the horses are always number one priority. Their care always comes first. So you get used to kind of putting yourself second, which I know is absolutely no excuse at all. Um, but I couldn't even tell you the last time that I went to a doctor for an injury. You know, it's, except for maybe a broken bone, which obviously you need casting for, but like... I couldn't even tell you just because it's just so we know how to diagnose injuries so well because we deal with it with the horses all the time and we're used to being injured and we have you know all of these I, I think we're just pretty stupid in that way and honestly I'm not I don't really think of myself as that person because I don't like hurting but 
looking back on it now, like, <laughs> I need to go to the doctor. I don't have a doctor. I don't even have a, I mean, I don't even know where I would go. I literally, I mean, besides now, I do know where Madison I would go. One eleven Madison Avenue, Jersey. Atlantic Sport Health. Exactly. I mean, I have health insurance, so that's a step ahead most people. But I think we uh, we put ourselves. So what kind of, like, immediate care is available for equestrian riders, like, maybe at the events? It's like, a is requirement. There is there athletic trainers, or, like, how does that work? There's not athletic trainers, but there it is a requirement by the governing body of the sport um, to have medics on site um, at every sanctioned horse show. So that is a requirement, and they are used. I mean, if you fall off at a horse show, you have to be cleared from, from a medic before they... Is that the way it's always been, or is that, like, a recent thing? No, that's been like that for a really long time. I, I don't even, since I've been eventing, yes, it's been a thing. Just because, the I mean, people get hurt all the time. Now, would you say that more injuries occur at these events or at practice? Um, I would say you would see a lot of pretty intense injuries at horse shows um, because I've seen a lot of serious injuries happen at horse shows, maybe not quantity-wise, but as far as right, the severity, severity of, of it, um, I think because people are taking more risks than they would at home. Like, when you're competing, you have one shot to do one thing, and you're going to be a little bit more ballsy at a competition than you're going to be when you're training. Right. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, like, you see, you know, Last year, was it last year or the year before, there was an, an abnormal amount of rider deaths at what we call the FEI, which is our international governing body. So all over the world, um, those are our big competitions, and there's not a lot of them. Um, and there was several rider deaths, which is uncommon. Um, you know, it happens for sure, but usually not to the – I mean, there was probably – I mean, there's like – 12, 15 football players who die every year, too. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. And I don't even know. I think I saw a statistic. Statistic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, I don't get out much. Um, <laughs> that horse-related head injuries result in death six times more than any other sport, including motorcycles. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, this includes everyone riding at home. I mean, these are people that aren't wearing helmets, you know, um, which I don't still don't understand why people don't wear helmets, but that's Just a like whole those skiers thing. that don't wear helmets. I don't even understand why people ski. Skiing is for people that want to die early. It's a terrifying place to be. <laughs> <laughs> I no offense learn. to all the skiers out there, but <laughs> we'll have to have one of you guys on here to... <laughs> To defend your sport. It's so scary. <laughs> I also blame my parents for not letting me ski when I was a child because I feel like that's something you need to learn when you're young. Yeah, when you're fearless. Yep. So, yeah. Um, so what what is the event that is has the most severe injuries? I remember you kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. The cross country. So what is it about the cross country that makes it dangerous? It's the speed, um, the speed at which you're traveling. So if you um, compare it to... Um, like steeplechase riding, which is obviously racing over jumps. It's kind of like that. You see a lot of injuries in that sport as well. I mean, if you can watch that, and that sport is crazy because they're all together in a pack. And if a horse falls down, then like everybody falls down. It's crazy. Right. But it's it's that kind of you're going pretty fast, um, and the jumps are big and solid, and um, and again the room for error is very small so you know the 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 origination of our sport um, was actually military um, to to prove that these horses could um, 
be useful in a military um, situation. So they, they're, it shows their agility, which is the show jumping. It shows their bravery, which is the cross country, and it shows their um, their uh, ability as far as athletic ability in the in the dressage. So that it's kind of this in company. It's like a historical kind of sport. And from the history to now, like if you watch old videos of the military men like riding these horses, they would jump these like six and a half foot hedges and fa- that you just see these guys falling off. And it was like the most ridiculously unorganized thing I've ever seen in my life. It's really quite entertaining. And they've created into this sanctioned sport with rules and regulations and and height restrictions and. It's crazy. I mean, it, it is crazy, but it's um, very rewarding. And if you train a horse properly, then you can do really well. But there's always, I mean, it's, there's always accidents. Yeah, and I mean, it's just part you, of it. you're not in there in the horse's brain, so there's really only so much you can control, I guess, right? Exactly. And and I think safety has been a big a big issue in the last little bit um, because of the the deaths that we've seen. Obviously. So what steps have you have you or what? things have you seen change since the safety movement? The biggest thing that we've seen change um, is they've created what they've called the frangible pin, which is um, a, a device that they put on these jumps that if they have enough downward force, um, the the pin breaks and the jump falls down. So that that is supposed to be a little bit more forgiving in, a, in an event, what we call a rotational, a rotational fall, whereas uh, when a horse jumps and he hits the jump with its front legs and he's going so fast and the jump is that he literally flips, yeah. um, which is when you see a lot of severe injuries you and death. You do not want to be on that horse when that happens. No, you don't. <laughs> and then they have, it's actually really scary because they have these people and their job literally is to hold, to, to drive around kind of near the horse and have um, like the the death wall basically it's like these these tarps that they put up when a, if a horse falls cuz it's you know they don't want the public to see these things so they put up the the thing you know around these horses that fall down in case something crazy has happened and also yeah in case they have to put a horse down or if the rider's really injured or whatever it's it's kind of to protect the public from seeing these things cuz they want they want it to to remain kind of you know a, a good light but it's uh it's scary. It is scary. I don't know. We're kind of dumb, I guess, but um, it's it is you know, it's all about risk management, and and they're doing a lot to to try to make it safer. And I think they've made it harder to qualify for the upper levels, which was a big thing too. You know, if people going out that weren't qualified to be riding at that level, and that they're just beginning hurt because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Um, so it's definitely not an easy sport to to move up the levels, but so. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. All right. Yeah. Well, I know that you've dealt with a tremendous amount of loss in your life, too. Mm-hmm. That, like, no person ever should have to deal with, like, what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about that and maybe how equestrian has kind of helped you get through those those tough times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've, I've had a lot of loss. Um, I lost my brother when I was in... Uh, ninth grade he got meningitis at college um, he was 18 so that was my first kind of uh, experience with death uh, in in my family and after that I lost a few really close friends through high school and college for various things um, car accidents drug overdoses um, weird um, heart condition that he didn't know he had just just stuff like that um, and then uh, most recently, my mom passed away, kind of out of the blue, 
um, which has really been pretty hard on, on my family. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because it's kind of always been a big... I mean, I was 14 when my brother died, and, and that really reshaped my whole path, I think. Um, How so? Um, well, for example, when I was... 14. I was a late bloomer. Um, I was kind of the nerdy kid in middle school. and you I don't know, believe that. Because <laughs> I'm so cool now. Um, yeah, I used to skip recess um, to go to the library. Oh, yeah, you were definitely a dork. Yep. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yep. I had, like, a few friends, but I pretty much thought I was a horse. Um, like, I would jump jumps in my front yard probably about five years too late in life. Um, that was before my brother died. And uh, <laughs> after my brother died... He had uh, a lot of friends. He was, he was the popular kid. And all of his friends would come to my parents' house because that's how they dealt with their loss. And they all kind of were adopted into my family, and I started hanging out with all of them. And then I started hanging out, you know, with 18-year-olds at this point. So then I, you know, thought it was really cool, and I was, like, smoking cigarettes and drinking <laughs> beer. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was 18 when I was 14. And... I went to high school and I was like the cool kid in high school because it was like my cool. Right, you were in that group, yeah. Oh no, I see. I was a I was a floater. I made sure all the people were you know okay. involved. I was. I was one similar of the, actually. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I was a spokesperson for the little guy, but um, I think that changed my life socially, which. For the next eight years of my life, I was very socially driven. Um, I went to the same college my brother went to, and I think where is that? Towson University. Okay. Um, and I think why'd you choose Towson? I'm pretty because sure. Your went there, I'm or? pretty sure that's the only reason. His his. Um, I went to college a year early because I'm so smart. And All that time in the library paying <laughs> off. Uh, what kid gets a detention for skipping recess in the library? <laughs> yeah, um, that's wild. <laughs> so wild. Uh, so yeah, I went. I went to college a year early, and the rule was I had to stay in state since I was so young. And if I wanted to, my parents' rule, not you know, just their oh, made-up gotcha, rule. Yeah. Um, and if I wanted to transfer after my freshman year, if I did well in school, I could. But of course, after my freshman year, I had friends, and I joined a sorority, and I was 17. I was living in my own place. It was awesome. Um, but he had all of his friends that were still there, and they were kind of like a, an encompassing. Uh, friend you know group there so I I kind of just molded right in there so I actually put horses a little bit on the back burner um through high school and college I mean I rode all through high school but I didn't compete very much because I was too busy going to parties I guess I I honestly I, I don't know it wasn't a priority and then I went to college um and I really missed it and so it was, you know by the time I was in college I was a little bit more financially independent and so I started realizing how expensive it was. And so I had to get a nanny job, and I was pre-law. And, you know, by my junior year, I had a horse up there. Um, And I think think, uh, horses really, honestly, have kept me... I mean, now I'm 30. I'm, I'm fine now as far as, you know, peer pressure. But I think it, they really kept me on the right track. I mean, I definitely wavered from that track several times, um, but I have a very impulsive personality, and, and I have, you know, I make very impulsive <laughs> decisions, and I think I could have very easily 
gone the wrong direction. And I think horses, I think that's why I really like working with kids and horses because I see how they keep these kids a little bit grounded because it gives you a sense of responsibility that you don't really get. You have to take care of these animals that are completely dependent on you. Right. Um, and you know, as you know, everyone's used to taking care of dogs and cats and stuff. But if you know, these horses require around-the-clock care, and you just kind of learn that there are things bigger than yourself um, that keep you a little bit grounded. So, you know, it keeps me going. And and even now, and you know, through my twenties, I. I had a normal job for a while. I worked in Washington D.C. as a political media buyer. I love Washington D.C. <laughs> it's my favorite I went to grad city. school at Georgetown. So Did you? I spent a year there. I yeah, didn't it was know awesome. that. Yeah, that's a great place. I worked in Georgetown. Um, the fair city of Georgetown. <laughs> it is quite a fair city. It is a fair city, and I can't afford any of the clothes there, but I like no, to yeah, shop. No, it's really expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked on Wisconsin and K. Ah, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was there for a couple years, enjoying normal life, but. I was in the political world, so the political cycle was over and everyone got laid off, and I was like, I'm going to give horses a shot again. So here I am in good old New Jersey. So that's what brought you here. Mm-hmm. Yep, on a whim. Took some random job in Bedminster, and that led to my first kind of professional job um, probably like six years ago, and here I am. Loving it. It's good. Like the other day, like I'm still kind of dealing, I mean, obviously, still dealing with my mom, and... Um, I I would say that I I don't really talk about grief very well. Um, I don't, you know, grieve with my family. They're they're much better at at that than I am, and I think I kind of cheat a little bit because I'm up here and everyone else is in Maryland, and I can kind of, I have my own little life up here, and um, it's easy to stay distracted, and I'm a workaholic, so I just kind of work all the time. Um, But it hits me. I'm very emotional. I cry a lot. Um, (laughs) And the other day, I was having a really rough day, and we have this horse that um, it's my boss's husband's horse that he had just imported from Germany, and it's it was supposed to be his next big top horse. And she's five, beautiful horse. And this summer, it got out of the field. It jumped out of its field and had a rotational fall over the dam fence and no one was there no one knows what happened and she broke a pelvis which is normally a you know that's the end right there but the vets think that that she's going to be able to at least be a broodmare and so she's anyway she's recovering in this beautiful farm in Oldwick and um she is so she's so she makes me so sad so I went over there the other day to check on her because I haven't seen her in a while and I like literally cried like I was a little kid in her stall with her because I felt bad for her and I felt bad for myself but it's a way you know you have these these connections with something and they don't have to talk to you so you don't have to talk back to them but they listen and um, and I think that it's it's really I don't consider myself like a typical horse person um, because I do like you know a lot of normal things. I like to have diversity in my life. Um, I like to have normal friends that don't know anything about horses because I think that's important. But it's it's a special kind of facet um, that I don't really know how else to replicate. You know, it keeps me sane, I guess, as sane as possible for the Meg Hep. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you how do you think equestrian is is for a sport for someone who say like me? I was told I could never play football again. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a new outlet mm-hmm. that they could possibly try out. Yeah, I think it's 
awesome. I think um, there's actually a lot of programs um, for that exact thing. Like um, adaptive athletes uh-huh, and stuff. Exactly. Um, and, and you know, from anywhere like anywhere from like handicap riding for kids that have physical and mental disabilities to um, people that are suffering from PTSD, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of programs that deal with people that have, even if it's just like a PTSD from a sports injury or anything like that, or death or anything, and, and you have these people that come in and, you know, you're dealing with animals that are quite safe, but it's a, it's a really, really awesome to see kind of the odd couple, like people that you would never place on a horse, learning how to interact with these animals and, and the way that they respond to each other. And, um, and I think that, I mean, you can, you can go anywhere in the country and find places like that 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 let you ride and you know western out in out in the middle of the country and you can go do ranch kind of stuff that I've never even done and I would love to do I mean it's just it blows your mind kind of it's it's very you know and if if you want to get into the sport and ride competitively like that's a whole nother thing but like as far as like a hobby and an outreach kind of thing it's Right. It's very rewarding, and there are a lot of programs. It's a good outlet for an athlete who can't play sports anymore, just like it was a good ath- or good outlet. It has been a good outlet for you with dealing with some of the obstacles that life's thrown at you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I recommend it. I do. Because um, <laughs> it's really funny. I have actually seen football players <laughs> Oh, learning oh, how so to funny? ride a horse. What's so funny about it's that? It's just funny because there's big, strong guys, and they're scared shitless of horses, and it's awesome. It's awesome to see them get over that fear and get on the horse and, and go go riding. And I think they you develop kind of a new respect for something that you didn't really understand before. So That reminds me of another question I wanted to ask. Oh, God. So is there, like, a, a, a body image issue oh. in, in the sport like I, I know mm-hmm. in for like jockeys I think they have oh, yeah. like a, a weight control oh, yeah. issue that has been portrayed on like ESPN and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, so have you experienced similar things oh yeah yeah racing definitely is the hardest they I mean because they have to weigh in I mean they're literally have to follow certain weight classes um, and um, eventing actually you used to have um, weight classes as well um, in back in the day before my time um, but you had to weigh in before and if you didn't you had to be at least a certain weight so it wasn't like the lightest but you had to be a certain weight for females and males and if you were lighter than that you actually had to carry weights um, in your saddle but um, yes it's very important um, and some people are a little obsessive about it, but people are hard on each other. And I think, you know, there is, to, to be fair, there is one, one side that's physics. I mean, it's physics. If you're heavy um, and, you're, and you're galloping across these, you know, large tracks, um, the risk of injury is just greater. So For the horse. For the horse, right. yeah. So, I mean, there is a huge fitness level um, that you need to, to maintain to be able to be good at your job um and personally i find that you know my weight has always fluctuated my whole life i've gone from the skinniest to the chubbiest like the spectrum is all over the place but um i i find that the greater shape that i'm in the better i ride you know and i've never been one to really be able to drop weight like i've never really been good at that because i love eating but don't we all <laughs> just love that food? Yep. But I I do think that that when you for example you have two seasons in the in the year you have your spring season and your fall season 
at the end of those seasons, you have your championships. So you might be a little chubby right now, but then as the season goes on, you know, the goal would be to lose extra weight so that you're in your peak fitness level. I mean, you, you we consider ourselves athletes, so whereas maybe we can get away with a little bit more, like I drink, you know, probably way too much coffee and, you know, I'm, we eat too many donuts kind of thing, but I, I actually personally have, a lot of my notoriety in my sport has been advocating um, out, outside of the barn, you know, your fitness regime, your diet. I've been a very pro proactive kind of voice for that because I think it's really important and I think that our, that our work schedules are so um, grueling and we just, we eat out of gas stations. I mean, we're on the road like, you know, two weeks out of every four Those traveling. Those 7-Eleven taquitos oh, are so just delicious. brewing in your belly. <laughs> <laughs> we're Sounds eating so like good, yeah. winter green. You know, before um, I started at ZS, I was out of shape. I was chubby. I was ZS I mean, Fitness, our gym. ZS yep. Fitness in Long Valley, New Jersey. Um, I heard that Zach's going to give uh, us free memberships for all these shout outs, just saying that. <laughs> Thanks, uh, <laughs> um, but I realized um, my boss was getting ready for the Olympics and I ride her horse a lot for her when she's away and I was like, what am I, like I'm riding an Olympic horse, like that is a big deal and I need to get my shit together, like what the hell am I doing? So that's when I kind of started my thing uh, and I lost a whole bunch of weight and I got into serious shape and that's when I started CrossFit and and I I think my riding improved tenfold I mean my self-confidence improved tenfold um, but I do it very healthily um, and I think you know like right now I've been dealing with death and depression and all these awful things so I'm not in the best shape right now at all but I know that that if I I can take these time, you know, where I'm not really competing a lot, and I can just kind of chill out and then get back on my get back on my horse again. Oh, no pun intended. Hey. Zero. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and 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 get back to that high performance kind of shape level that that I had. And, you know, it's an ebb and a flow. I mean, a top athlete can't keep his top. Um, shape without like burning out mm -hmm. and breaking down. Yeah, exactly. You gotta you gotta kind of go up and down. But yeah, it is there is body image issues. Some some people are kind of crazy, um, but everyone has their own superstitions and their own. Like I know one of the big Olympic guys, one of my friends, his name's Boyd. He doesn't drink, and um, probably because he likes to drink a lot. But he's you know he's a wiry guy. But he he doesn't drink for a certain amount of time before his big competitions and then you know the day of the competition's over and he's done really well we'll go he'll be drunk off of half White a girl beer yeah. Yeah. So, you know it's really funny you know we'll find him wandering the streets of some european town that day so it's uh, you know we're all it's a very interesting culture but um, yeah yeah there's definitely you know that's definitely a thing and and it's 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 hard because it is awkward talking about people's weight, but you know there are you know athletes riding at the top level that are too heavy, and it's you know it's it's not fair to the animals. I don't think personally, um, and you don't ride as well when you're not in shape. I mean right. that's just how it is. You look good, you play good. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Well, we're start. We're about to come up on time here. Okay. Um, I always finish with asking my guests uh, what their personal definition of perseverance is. So, mm, perseverance. what's yours? Um, my personal uh, definition of perseverance, I think, is um, is that you you keep 
your goal always in front of you. And so there's going to be things coming at the you. The carrot on the end of the oh. stick. <laughs> oh, it just keeps Horse on jokes coming. all day. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. So you keep that carrot on the end of the stick. Um, and, <laughs> and you just keep going. You keep going towards that goal because there's always going to be things coming at you. Um, you know, Life happens, yeah, unfortunately. It's, it yeah. happens and it happens and it happens and it keeps happening. And I'm realizing it. the older I get, it happens even more. Um, and, and you can redefine your goals. I, I think that's very important um, every so often to redefine. But I think there's nothing, no better feeling than achieving your goal after going through some shit. Um, I right. think that's that's makes it that much sweeter. It does. It does. You know, if it comes too easy, then you get bored and it's not worth it anymore. You know, there's got to be some challenges, and you know, you keep. You know, if you're going through hell, keep going. You know, that's kind of that's kind of what I think. There's a song that goes like that. Mm, if you're going through <laughs> oh hell, God. keep. This is happening right now. Someone that probably shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Yikes. Um, I wanted to thank you for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Talking about your injuries. I do. I'm hating on you a little bit about the concussion. I'm going to go to the doctor right now. You need to go to the doctor. I'm going to go. And thanks for opening up about, you know, the the deaths that you've kind of had to deal with over your life. And I'm I'm sorry that that happened to you, but you've you've come out an awesome person. Thank you. You're funny and... (laughs) Uh, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. It was Thanks, fun. Meg. Yeah, you're welcome. As you guys know, it's starting to get cold outside, uh, but there's a few ways you can make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside, and that would be by liking us on Instagram, liking us on Facebook. And also giving us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, You can find us at Heads and Tails. That's heads as in your head. The letter N, then tails spelled T-A-L-E-S on both Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, guys.